2: Hey there, everybody. It's Friday night, so that means it is time for Explain Yourself. Uh, I'm Benjamin Morse, uh, and we're here tonight with some great creators to talk about some campaigns that are live now um, that I think you want to check out. We're going to get to learn about their campaigns, about the stories uh, they're trying to tell, and should be a lot of fun. So I'm going to bring everybody in. Uh, First, we have C.J. Hudson, who has uh, a three-shot comic, um, Granite, Noir, and Endless Hunt, which is live now on Kickstarter with three days to go. And John Kratky, uh, who has Home Free 1 through 4, which is on Kickstarter as well, with five days to go. Um, guys, thanks for coming.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. it.
2: Um, so some really cool books out there. A lot of campaigns are wrapping up um, right now. So um, I guess, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a crowded uh, market right now with everybody's campaigns going through. But uh, both your your campaigns, I think Home Free has met its goal. Um, Mm -hmm. Just about. And um, three shot, three one shot comics has just a little bit to go. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll get there um, pretty soon. But um, again, uh, let's uh, I think we'll just jump right into it and uh, we'll start with CJ. Um, If you want to present your screen and show us about uh, show us your campaign and tell us about these three one shot comics um, and just give us the elevator pitch and kind of show us what's cool about this. Let's do
0: it. Figure this out. Here's your screen.
2: And can you see my screen? Uh, not quite yet. It should. It if you hit present, it'll. Uh, oh, there we go. And then I got it. Should come up there, and then I, I can let it I, like let it in, like it's a like it's a person. There we go. All right, so now. There we go.
0: Right on. Yeah. Um. So uh, three one-shot comics. Uh, granite Noir. Endless Hunt. Uh, this is actually through Devin R. Scott's uh, publishing arm, Epic Fantasy. And as you can see here, we are really, really close uh, to hitting goal. Just need 399 bucks. We don't have a lot of time left, but we've had a really good rally the last two days. Like I, I thought we were pretty done for, and we we're already making plans to look at relaunching, but the community's really rallied behind this, so definitely appreciate that. Uh, so in terms of what we got, uh, it's like Ben said, we have three, uh, singular one shot comics that hopefully will expand into other series, uh, later on. So two superhero books and, uh, one fantasy book. So, um, first one is Endless Hunt. I wrote this and it has art by Rio Burton. She did the art and, and the coloring internally, uh, uh, or the interior art and, uh, really, um, uh, Kind of a a stereotypical fantasy story, Uh, you would think, at first, where a warrior king is searching for his lost love. But uh, ultimately, he uh, remembers that he never really lost her at all is kind of the line that I've been using. So there's a lot of twists and turns throughout the story that kind of uh, comes to a resolution at the end. And it really has killer art by Rio Burton, uh, who's done As of the Barbed. Uh, She just completed Harpy of the West, which was a really uh, good... uh, comic that she just did with her husband. So yeah, um, had a lot of fun working on this with Rio. And then the other one that I wrote uh, is Granite, which is my first time doing a superhero book. Uh, and Fritz Cassius did the uh, interior art and uh, Sarah Cuervo did the colors. Uh, and basically this is for fl- uh, fans of She-Hulk um, or any heavy superhero uh this is kind of a hard living hard drinking superhero that's really addicted to fame but then her powers start to fail her and she has to learn to live um outside of the limelight uh and then noir is the other title don't want to take too much away from devon's title but this is a street level type superhero um pretty much in the vein of uh, kind of like a batman or a moon knight um, and one thing that we thought was really cool uh well, well I don't know. I th- we thought it was fun was that we put a backup feature in this uh, with Granite. So there's a six page backup feature. that's totally separate from the main story that we have here. Uh, so we thought that would be kind of fun to do. They don't interact, but we're kind of harkens back to the old like Marvel uh, two and one or the old backup features that you re- uh, probably remember from back in the day. Uh, and then here's some page previews. Uh, like I said, um, Sarah's really great colorist and Fritz has uh, done some superhero work in the past. So he's definitely, uh, definitely knows what he's doing.
2: Um, yeah. His pages look great. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not for, I, I just passed through a, a page that's probably not for kids. So uh, all of these books are for mature readers. Um, but, you know, I, I would say there are books, you know, they're not, uh, they're not uh, super sexy or anything like that, but there's some mature content, some swearing and, Uh, Maybe a little bit of nudity. Um, And here's some uncolored uh, pages that I have right now uh, and that just didn't get colored quite yet, but they're in the process. Uh, So this guy, Thrash, is one of our villains. He's right out of the 90s. I really just wanted like a sweet costume with a a very 90s vibe for the villain. Um, Praying somebody cosplays as this guy someday because I think it would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and then here's the backup feature we showed a couple pages of this this is actually uh, Granite Jer- uh, Journey to the Underworld and Battling Hades so um, pretty fun little backup feature that we included in the back of uh, Noir and then here's some pages of Endless Hunt uh, too with Rio and uh, then we'll get into Noir here as well and just a really fun looking superhero Mm -hmm. book that Devin uh, created here. So the hopeful that we could actually cross our characters over at some point after we do a mini series proper, get through the one shots, do a mini series and then hopefully do a little crossover story we thought would be uh, a really good time. And then here's the covers. So we, I showed you all the standard edition covers um, and uh, then we have a lot of variants too. So those are all the standards. And then, um, Liana Kangas did a variant. Uh, Luana Vecchio did a variant for endless hunt. Um, here's a mature one from flops that I'll go through. And, uh, Ben Flores did one as well. And then he also did a mature variant. And, uh, here's another one of, uh, noir from, uh, And, uh, that's it. And then we just go into the team, but, um, any questions I can help answer on, on these books, uh, we're getting really close to goal, like I said, and I think we can get there and again, appreciate all the support from the community the last couple of days. It's been really outstanding.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome to see that. Um, I have a quick question. So yeah. Granite seems like kind of not necessarily an origin story, but certainly like the introduction to granite or um, mm-hmm. endless hunt Noir. the war, like similarly, like you can just pick up there's, there's pretty much no, no, no huge explanation needed. They're like the first story of each of these characters.
0: Yeah, so Endless Hunt may or may not continue. It's kind of a one and done fantasy story. Uh, I think the world is really fun and interesting. So maybe Rio and I would go back and tell more stories there. But uh, Granite, um, definitely not picking up from an origin perspective, All been around for a long time. And uh, it's so very easy to, I think, kind of get into because you can kind of figure out. What her origin is. And the same thing with Noir. Um, mm-hmm. Both years have been around for a while, and we don't have to dig into a lot of the back history. We just wanted to kind of plop readers right into
2: the thick of it. Yeah. But these are definitely like issue one of, you know, oh, story, yeah. basically. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. These are standalone type stories, just singular, mm-hmm. um, that hopefully would lead into another mini series that would be separate. So yeah. you wouldn't read this and be like, ah, oh, shit, you know, like I want the rest of this mini uh, kind of a one and done. hmm.
2: Yeah, and I love the uh the design you have on this headline image that's just really cool, very pulpy, um, and just gets into the you know how much fun it is to have like just I, I think in a lot of ways I've done seen done and seen so many comics in the last few years that are you know crime or horror or western, uh, which is awesome that we have so many genres out there um on Kickstarter and indie comics in general. Um, but as I've sat down and like been reading other creators like superhero stuff. I realized how much fun it was just to have all these people making up new superheroes and universes. It reminds me so much of being a kid in the 90s and it was like, oh, there's a Malibu universe. There's obviously image there is. There's just all this extra stuff. Um, It always felt like there was something new coming along. So I think it's a really cool time uh, to be doing uh, indie comics and and superheroes. It's it's always, uh, I think, a very good mix.
0: Yeah, appreciate that. I've never, like I said, first superhero book I've ever written. I read a ton of superhero books, but I was a little worried about saturation. And but had a superhero book uh, in me that I felt like would be a lot of fun to tell, and definitely glad I did it. And you know, to your point, the the sky's the limit in terms of what you can accomplish because you can do crossovers with other people's characters. You can kind of build yeah. uh, build the world with other people, which I think is really fun. So a lot of the guys I've talked to, we have kind of like the the unspoken rule. It's like, if we ever cross over, you can reprint like anything you want in your collection, yeah. you know, and vice versa. So if we ever like do any crossovers, we own our own characters individually, but um, uh, I have a standing reprint allow rule with anybody that wants to use granite.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I might, t- I might uh, reach out about that. Cause I have the Scarlet Twilight sequels can bring in a lot of superheroes. Um, Let's
0: do it, man. I'd, I'd, I'd love like for that. you to take granite and to, you know, user as you will I I love people playing with uh, <laughs> that sounds funny but I love people does sound playing weird,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> with uh, my toys or you know playing with other people's toys I think it's just a lot of fun so from yeah. the backup feature perspective I've uh, got some other buddies that are gonna do more of those different artists um not fritz exclusively um, he'll focus more on like the main series but uh you know have different artists interpret mm-hmm. granite and we can do anything from like silly to more mature and Um, hopefully stick those in the back of other people's
2: comics. Yeah, I mean, it seems like she's a pretty versatile character. I I guess my vibe from seeing those pages and hearing you talk about it is it's kind of uh, a little bit more of a mature version of your 80s Justice League International type setup, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, all that stuff. Um, And I think, you know, you can do that story, which it looks like you're doing, where it's kind of sort of behind the scenes with her life. Um, And I think there's, she's just a cool looking hero on her own. You could do it I guess what would probably be her more public persona, which is just, I'm a hero. I'm out there doing good stuff. Um, kind of straightforward type superhero thing. So very cool stuff.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I got, got a lot of inspiration from she Hulk, uh, the burn run when, (laughs) uh, when I read that years ago and just had a lot of fun reading that. Um, so yeah, if if people like heavy, the heavy type superheroes, there's definitely a book to pick up.
2: Cool. You You know, know, I've never read that run. Um, What's that? I've never read that run. That was oh. about the time I uh, I would go to the – my family would go to church. We'd go to Burger King for breakfast, and then my we'd go to the grocery store. My parents would just, like, drop me off at the newsstand. Our grocery store had, like, every comic. had, like, a pretty decent mm. sort of newsstand. So I just – I had five bucks to spend a week on my, with my allowance. I'd sit there and probably read everything that came out in the hour or so it took for them to shop and then just buy the two comics I liked the most. But uh, Mm -hmm. I think I've read a couple issues of She-Hulk from there. But that's one of those runs I keep meaning to find time to read, um, especially with that show coming out. People have been talking about how great that run was. Um, And I'm a big John Byrne fan, so I'm surprised I haven't uh, found my way to that yet.
0: His art is really good. It's spectacular in that run. He was at the peak of his career there, I feel like. And it it, it still holds up really nicely. I just read some trades um, Mm -hmm. the last year rereading it, and I, I thought it held up really well.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of his artwork. I still think my favorite period is sort of uh, classic X-Men up to Man of Steel. Uh, that was, almost.
0: yeah, yeah. That's was probably married.
2: for me his peak. Um, yep, in yep. fact, I was just reading a um, uh, an early DC uh, post-crisis miniseries called Legends that he drew in Carl Castle inked, And they're some of the, the sharpest, coolest panels I've ever seen in like a, an older superhero comic. So I'm a big fan of his um i even like his later stuff now where it's a little messier um, i know some people aren't as big a fan of that but uh mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into it so yeah have to yeah check.
0: it's a different style um it, it definitely different but i i probably prefer his older style personally and when he was on i don't think he, he's he's one of the best ever in that yeah. time period and, and maybe in any time period and his new style is is good it is it's a little messier and a little different but you know people evolve and change yeah. too over
2: time yeah yeah. No, it's weird seeing his stuff, I, I guess, like mid 80s and before you look at Jim Lee and, and some of the guys that were popular directly afterwards. You see it. He was really that missing link between, I would say, like Neil Adams um, and then, you know, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, all those guys a few years later. Yeah. So always yeah. it was like, I have this weird instinct where I want to put all these artists in like a timeline and, um, you know, like especially guys that are just pen and ink um, and, and just see how how styles evolve what's what becomes popular what different artists take from artists who become popular um mm-hmm. and burn is a big part of that uh that sort of timeline yeah absolutely yeah so we'll get back to um to these and talk a little bit more about the other titles but i want to jump over to john and michelle hey michelle hey. um if you guys want to um bring up your book um and give right. us the quick pitch on home free All right. uh, we can go through that
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
2: All uh, right. Are you guys oh, seeing it? Is, all right. It's in the uh, bottom row there. All right. Got you now. There it is.
1: All right. Cool. Um, yeah. So home free. Uh, this is the fourth issue in our, in the home free series. Uh, Michelle and I, um we've been working together for a long time we have a previous series we did together called the black wall uh this is like a loose sequel um it's more of a character sequel um as the main character in this, sarah was in um in the black wall uh so this is kind of her 10 years after the events that happened in that story and like how she's reacting to the world and um how far or not so far she's come along and um kind of how uh she's um kind of reacting to uh basically like where does she want to go she's um she's kind of a tough character uh she's had like a tough life Mm -hmm. um Essentially, uh, when she was younger, she was a prostitute and she's just kind of been homeless and just has been through the ringer on bad things. So Mm -hmm. she's kind of uh, been always running away from her past. And again, in this story, as um, uh, America is also kind of reacting to the events of the story in the Black Wall, um, she's kind of... uh, trying to run away from her past and also the America that's to come, because it's just, it's, it's a similar America to the one we live in, uh, it's a very divided um, mm-hmm. place. And um, uh, she's basically on the road to Mexico in this. Uh, the story starts in the issue one kind of uh, much smaller, more, more of like a very um, personal kind of noir crime thing. And as each uh, issue goes, it kind of expands into um, uh, what this one is, uh, which is a very action-based, um, where she's almost down to, uh, the Mexican border, but, um, she's got to get through San Diego first, but San Diego has broken out into basically urban warfare, so, um, that's where we are in this issue, um, so was kind of a rambling explanation, <laughs> um, but we've hit funding, which is awesome, uh, you know, we've unlocked a lot of our funding goals here, um, which we do this every issue where um, at each step major, like 25%, 50%, 7,500, um, everyone gets a sticker, a bookmark, postcard, and then a thank you um, in the back of the books, so that's all been unlocked. Um, we've got a lot of little digital rewards that we're doing just for um, the digital backers uh, so that they can get something too. Um, working on our stretch goals now, uh, on our way to 100. Um, essentially, uh, at that point, um, another artist I've worked with, Luigi, um, he's uh, did a sketch of Sarah that we're just going to give to one lucky winner, uh, randomly picked. Um, and then we're basically doing backer goals for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, 110 backers, every 10 backers up to that, you'll basically get some free comics. Um, and then we'll, if we hit 3,000, we'll also do another big, um, big stretch goal, too. But um, salt in the air. So basically, um, the story in this one, Sarah has finally reached San Diego, um, trying to get to the Mexican border. But like I said, uh, you know, uh, riots have broken loose and protests. And there's all this stuff going on everywhere. And just everything that is possible is in her way. And she's just trying to get through it. Um, but she also um, meets up with Tessa Brown right here who is um, kind of uh, in charge of this um, group called Eyes on Me because a lot of the, rea- the um, these protests are a reaction to um, the current surveillance state in this um, this America um, which you know kind of exists in ours too, but um, this is, it's kind of more uh, come to a head in this one um, where people are very concerned about it. and uh, essentially, once they meet, she's just trying to help, Sarah's trying to help protect Tessa because there's lots of people after her. Um, and, uh, so we've got a couple different covers for this issue. Uh, this is our main color cover by Michelle. Um, she always does uh, kick-ass covers, um, but we also have a variant of this one available. Uh, this one's basically that cover, it's gonna be a virgin cover, um, took the logo off. Uh, and the colors are by miriam yasser um which is kind of more i don't know portrait style um mm-hmm. i feel like uh, the i love this one just because i feel like the uh it's almost like the fires are just reflecting right onto her um skin here and it just has such a good mood to it yeah, um absolutely. our really cool cover by amalis rosa um she did just such a badass cover i actually put up the wrong cover i just realized because it's supposed to have a little blood on them there so
2: cool. <laughs> but
1: this is one of the characters. Uh, we just call him Batboy uh, in the comic. Um, he's sort of a mystery. We're trying to keep him more of a mystery of like what he's all about so our readers, just so they can find more surprise with him and who he is within this story. Um, so, uh, yeah, this uh, comic has we've been doing this since, I think, 2021. Uh, we're going to put the last issue out. It's a five issue series um, next year. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the main, the main stuff in this one. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so this, this is you. black
2: and white. The interiors are black and yeah,
1: white. Yeah. These, these are the interiors right here. Oh, great.
2: And, uh, Michelle, are you, um, how do you, are you a traditional artist? Do you do digital? Um, how do you go about creating these?
0: So I work, uh, digitally in, um, clip studio, the program just kind of speeds up the process, no scanning and cleaning up images. It's all just very efficient that way.
2: Cool. Yeah. I love your, um, I I mean, you've got a great distribution of dark and light here. Um, You're using the gray tones really well. which is really cool to see. I I feel like a lot of books that are black and white really are like, kind of feel like they ought to be color or were planned to be color. And it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Mm. This looks like, I almost can't imagine this in color. Um, It looks really (laughs) nice, um, which is
1: cool. Awesome. Yeah, our, our previous book was also uh, black and white. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, me, me, Michelle and I just have like a crime comic relationship together. And I think yeah. um, we plan to do some more in the future. Uh, and just, I don't, I can't, maybe someday we'll do one in color, but I, I just love <laughs> this black and white look. And she's so good at it. I just don't think we should change, what, change it if it's not broken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. So I get kind of like a purge vibe from this
2: a little bit. Um, yeah, but uh, can you take me through You mentioned there was a previous series that, that kind of leads into this. Can you tell me, I think black wall is, can you tell me what that was
1: about? Yeah. The black wall um, is the main character. Sarah's not the main character in that one. She plays a big role in it, um, but it's about this um, veteran named Hank. He's trying to, he's kind of, um, kind of been wandering after the current wars he just went through, um, ends up back in Reno, Nevada, where after his mother's death and, just kind of decides to stay there and um this is kind of where the surveillance end of it kind of um uh picks up uh in that story one of his ex you know another ex uh marine buddy of his uh is in charge of a surveillance company and he hires hank to do some work um and we kind of get the vibe from this other guy mark stern that he's a little bit nefarious uh, there's something else going on there and as hank does more and more of the work he kind of see this plot start to unwind which i don't i don't want to go into details on it um too much uh but it kind of um the story keeps on uh growing into um basically hank's trying to deal with some personal stuff in his own life but almost ignoring these things going on around him like but like the the plot around him that begins to grow as uh, that's leading to this event um that he is Maybe involved in, maybe not involved in, uh, and ends up uh, kind of uh, the miracle in Home Free is the reaction to that event that happens in that story. Um, and Sarah's story with Hank and that is like he meets her one night. Um, she stayed. She's like living in a homeless camp at that time. It's kind of. in uh, there's an incident with a security guard she runs away he's worried about her he kind of becomes obsessed with finding her and helping her because um, mm-hmm. his own home life like with his estranged wife and daughter is not great so he kind of takes her into his life as his daughter but he's he's just not built for that world and um kind of uh does not do the greatest things for sarah in that so um yeah it's, it's uh it's just like a crime story, but within like kind of a near future dystopia, um, kind of, kind of scenario.
2: Yeah. I really like that. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff like that, that people are really drawn to now. I mean, I guess things seem pretty tense, uh, mm-hmm. and half of the last few years with everything that's happened. And I, I, I found myself with my pro like the next August book I'm going to do is pretty much like it's all science fiction. It's out in space, but it's like kind of post-apocalyptic in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I just I feel like there's a lot of I don't know. I feel like sometimes we're just looking off a cliff, and and we we're a little fascinated with like, well, what if things do really go bad? Um, right. And obviously, a really dramatic place to take a story. Uh, it reveals so much about your characters. Um, you know, putting them in those kind of spots, um, it's really fun. I also like yeah. so. It sounds like between Blackwall and this, you're not necessarily. I like that you're not it's not like a direct sequel. Like it starts right at the beginning, you know, the end of the other story, you're Mm -hmm. changing your main character. You're I think some time has maybe gone by um, which is really cool to see. I I like the, the loosely connected uh, nature of stuff like that. I've seen a lot of books doing that lately and I've kind of find I like that more than here's the next chapter and it's five minutes after the other one uh, got finished. Um, yeah
1: to... yeah it's it, I think it's an interesting way of doing it like actually it's funny with this one I'm actually writing a novella along with it that's offered up in the campaign called stop through let me get to that image um and that's actually uh also um part of Sarah's life right here uh it's kind of an in-between part but again mm-hmm. it's not like um it's not directly linked either it's its own story, you know, and it's just kind of plops you kind of into the middle section of all this, um, and kind of where she was and what was happening in her life at that time. And kind of her decision, uh, cause you know, the black wall takes place in Reno, um, uh, home free starts in Coos Bay, Oregon. And it's kind of like her, like the point in her life where she decides like what, you know, to go to Coos Bay and like what the events are to leave that letter there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a little more. In, I love writing Sarah, I guess. So, um, there's a little more of her life in this one, too.
2: Yeah, I like, you know, I mean, uh, with my stuff, I'm always like, I, I kind of have my main books I want to do that are generally like four issues. But I always find myself thinking, like, if you know, I want to do this other part of the character's life, but I don't want to do it in the same format, I want it to be like a 10, 15 issue run, or I want it to be like maybe even a short story or a novel with some illustrations. <laughs> And uh, I just – one of the coolest things I think we have going on with with Kickstarter and, and crowdfunders in general is we don't necessarily – you can just put that – you don't even have to necessarily make your own campaign for it. It can be an add-on, um, and there's just so many great outlets for, I guess, different formats, um, and it, it just lets you get into these worlds in a, in a very different way, and I, I think more of an expansive way. So very cool to see. Um, yeah. And, and um, I'm – Big fan of the uh, of dystopian stuff, obviously, so cool. very cool. cool. Yeah.
0: Hey, John, uh, so Coos Bay, Oregon is a very specific uh, place. Are you in Oregon,
1: Um, I'm not. I lived there for about what, 2015 until last year. Uh, oh, so okay. I was up there for a couple of years. I'm, I'm actually in Reno. I'm actually an East Coaster. Or, I'm um, originally from Connecticut, but kind of moved around a bunch. But are you in Oregon or – uh yeah i've lived there a lot and now i'm living
0: in vancouver washington so right across the river oh okay all
1: right yeah Yeah, i was in
0: up in portland for
1: yeah like seven years oh wow nice yeah i just wanted like a real quiet kind of area you know um to start the story in with you know we're a very unassuming kind of uh i like setting my stories in places that not everyone else sets their stories in you know um just like with reno it's like i have like comics and Reno you know, and a bunch of stories in reno now it's like uh, just like i feel like it's a very underused city that has a lot of interesting some history and just it's an interesting place to look at you know yeah for sure
2: yeah there's a lot of character there without it being new york la or even las vegas mm-hmm. um i think you're right it is kind of a It's a very good substitute for something like that, but lets you, I mean, I always try to make the setting of my book a really big character, kind of in its own right. Um, So it's always fun to be creative with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So do you have uh, more stories? It sounds like you really like this character. Um, uh, Do you have more stuff planned down the line um, with her and this world in general?
1: Uh I mean, I would say, like, if anything, you know, she's somebody that I think Michelle and I could come back to, like, in, you know, 10 years down the line, you know, let's, let's see where she's at, what's going on, you know, what's, what's happening with Sarah, um, but nothing, nothing really planned, uh, I do, like, all these stories, like, um, let me just go to the other page, so I can, um, I, for the last two issues before this one, I also wrote, uh, oh, they're down here, um, Novellas to go along with those, like Inheritor of the Dead, um, takes place after an event in issue two. And then Four Days with May um, is about a character from the first issue. So I've just kind of kept on going with this world. Um, and Getting Back to Normal Down Here uh, is uh, another comic that I've done that's within this same universe it's about a, a homeless guy named raccoon that was in the black wall and i kind of branched off and did another story it's like my weird little universe of crime stories <laughs> i don't even know i don't know how it came about but it just it just kind of kept happening so was not planned that
2: way well it's cool i mean i've i've often found that the fact that i like i was mentioning with some of my stories i'm like yeah i would like to go off in this direction and i think if i didn't have a way to say to myself well i'll do that down the line it'll be a novel it'll be something else it'll be a different type of comic run will like stop me from doing the really dumb thing and trying to fit that idea into the story the other story where it doesn't really work because i just liked it so much um Mm -hmm. and again that just speaks to i think some of the really cool things we can do when we're creating these books by ourselves and crowdfunding them because i don't think there's i don't think that works for a publisher at least most publishers um, especially if you're you know it's your first some of your first books or you're not a huge known quantity um it's great to just see people be able to go straight to the project they want to do um and do it you know the way they want to do it like it can be this combination of comics other stuff um so really awesome to see um yeah. what were your what are some of your influences for this i, I mentioned i kind of got a purge vibe but um uh what's what's kind of some of the stuff that really inspired you and you you know came up with this story based, you know, kind of like inspired by it, I guess.
1: Um, I mean, just the crime stuff alone is all like, I love crime films. and I love uh, old film noir um, mm-hmm. from the fifties and forties. Uh, I'm like, I just, I I've owned so many of them. I've seen, I just constantly watch them. So that's mm-hmm. like a huge influence. I try to get that in like a little bit of the dialogue and who the characters are and everything, you know, Um it's just like the classic style characters, but in our time, you know, um, and then the story for this one really, uh, just came about, um, like, you know, like you were saying, like, it just, it reflects the world we live in, just like the black wall. When I wrote that was like, just, it was kind of the bridge between the Bush era and the Obama era and like mm-hmm. just all the surveillance that we were hearing about and Edward Snowden and all that stuff, you know? So it just, that, that came out of, you know, just reflecting on the world that was, coming about. And like the same with Home Free, it's like I wrote this in 2020, 2021, Mm -hmm. early 2021. So, you know, it was just a reflection of what was going on in the world at that time. I it's a very different story than, you know, what was uh, blowing up in 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just like, hey, you know, how far can we go with this, you know, and what does that lead to when we've got these Different sides of people just coming getting at each other's throats all the time and taking it into the streets, you know. Um, yeah. and I'm, you know, so like I feel like when you do stuff like this, it's you know, I'm not trying to preach, I'm not trying to tell anybody anything, but like there is an aspect of it being a bit of a warning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to present a picture that when you read it, do you really want this? <laughs> like is this really where we wanna go? Um So, yeah, I'd say like my, I'm always influenced by genre. I love genre stuff. And, um, but it's, it's always a reflection, obviously, of the world we live in. Uh, I think as most writers probably do that, but um, I really try to hone in on on our times, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. No, I I do the same thing with my stuff. I mean, Scarlet Twilight, not as much. That's sort of a throwback in a different world type idea, but August is like, you know, it's the future, it's science fiction, it's kind of a Star Wars type universe, but um, you know, I, I kind of thought of it like the last 10, 15 years have just seemed like such a, I wouldn't necessarily say decline, but like it's changed so much, we are so much mm-hmm. in each other's throats, people don't listen to each other, um, and it's very hard to see how it would not get worse and worse and worse, and it, it I, a lot of that in my mind has been like kind of a cautionary tale, exactly like you're saying, I kind of play in that same, I guess, playground a little bit. Um, And it's, it's one of those things that I think reflects society really well, but obviously it's just great to throw your characters into a situation like that. Uh, Oh yeah. Just how can I amp up the drama make it 10 times worse than it would ever be in real life um, and subject all our, our beloved characters to to all these problems. Right.
1: Right. Right. Especially it's, it's, it's interesting to write like, you know, Sarah, um, I'd be like driving the opposite direction. You know what I mean? She's driving yeah. headlong into it. So it's it's fun to kind of also just have a character that's going to be, you know, right in the middle of it all, where you would probably, I mean, personally, like I would not be in the middle of all the way she is, you know, um, she's, she's a lot tougher than I am.
2: So you mentioned that she, if this doesn't spoil anything, you mentioned that she's going towards some, some, I guess, pretty big event or towards mm-hmm. the danger at least. Um, and you mentioned earlier that, you know, she was kind of running away from some, some things in her past is, uh, is there some big dramatic events or a villain that she's kind of trying to get to Um what's exactly her goal in, in sort of this uh journey she's taken uh to San Diego.
1: Um, her goal it's is, yeah. It's, it's escape to Mexico. It's like kind of that old trope, you know what I mean? Got to, got to get to the border. It's not really, she's not, necessarily needs to get to the border to like like hide or out or anything necessarily Mm -hmm. but it's more like she just she's a runner she's been running her whole life and um getting down to mexico just seems like you know maybe i just get to this other country and i can just disappear as a person down there you know Mm -hmm. um it's more it's like um her past and the world that's around her is like the villain in this there's not necessarily like specific you know, people, it's more, mm-hmm. you
2: know, on, on that kind of scale. It's it's more psychological, I would say. Very cool. No, I, I, it's, it sounds like a very rich world. Um, I love that you kind of jump from character to character between your books. Um, as far as process goes, um, do you guys collaborate in the story or do you, like John, do you just write it and Michelle, you just draw it, or do you kind of bounce ideas off each other or kind of outline it out together? Or what's the process there?
1: um it depends on the story um this one particular um we kind of like you know we were like you know hey we got to figure something out to do because this was let's like you know let's jump into this kickstarter world because before that we've only um well michelle's had a kickstarter previous to this uh story um but before that we were just publishing on as web comics kind of you know Mm -hmm. um and so we decided on this one um I just I write the scripts, uh, you know, for um, the mo- most part. But depends on the project because we have another project that where Michelle actually wrote the script and I kind of worked it out. And you know, that one was like a really like writing wise uh, true true writing collaboration. But um, this one's more, I guess, just I, I basically write it and uh, you know, and M- Michelle just takes that and takes you know brings everything else to it, you know. <laughs> Yep. Very cool. So guys, I want to jump back over
2: to uh, ask a few more questions to CJ about endless hunt. But, um, if you don't mind first, I want to go through one thing I think is relevant to all of us who, uh, fulfill our own campaigns is, um, we are in the geek collective network and, um, we have a special there where an affiliate link, where if you are getting Gemini mailers, which I think everybody should be doing. Um, I've seen enough angry posts on Twitter about people, uh, being really upset that they got their book in some, you know, battered uh, uh, sort of thin mailer. Um, but you can get Gemma if you go to Gemini Comic Supply and enter the code GeekCollective10, you can get 10% off your order. Which, uh, you know, at least when I was doing the campaigns on my own, uh, every little bit helped. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, I'll throw that in the comments as well. Um, and then I'd like to jump back over CJ to you um, yeah. and um, ask you a few more questions about, um, specifically Endless Hunt.
1: Could I ask, ask a question real quick for CJ? I was just curious about, um, you mentioned when you were talking before that you were kind of, I don't know if nervous, but about doing a superhero uh, story just because you felt like it could be a saturated market. What, what, um, you know, what did you do to get over that? Or like, you know, did you decide like, let's just have fun with this and go full on like with within the superhero world do all the tropes and just ha- have a good time with the comic or was it like more how can i like um not fall into certain plot lines or like what did you do to like make it work for you
0: yeah good question you know i um i was actually hired to write uh, a superhero for a company and it fell through and i was really just so disappointed that the story didn't cuz it was my first time doing a superhero and I was really excited about it. And I was like, you know, I'm, what can I do with this now? It's done. It, the story's never going to come out. And then I was like, well, I still own the story. So it's still mine. I was never paid for the work. They decided not to go forward with it. So this is my story. And I'm just going to turn this into my own superhero. I'm not going to use their superhero. I'll just do my own thing with it. So I revamped it, moved some things around. And... Just was kind of like, you know, I I the company that I was working with liked the pitch enough and liked the idea enough. I was like, well, there's something here then. There has to be. So I gave it to an editor and he read it and said, you know, this is really fun and good. And kind of was like building me up a little bit because I was feeling really down about it because, you know, it's never fun to lose work. And that was kind of like my first opportunity to get something Um, bigger out into the market that fell through. And I was like, well, crap, you know, and I don't know what I do now. So it was really kind of just getting over that first hurdle of being like, you know what, I can do this and do something on my own with this. And then just having an unbiased editor look through it and be like, this is good. Here's what you can do to improve upon it. That really just kind of got it going. And then uh, my editor actually is Devin, who's the publisher of epic fantasy and he said I, and I want to publish it let's do it as a kickstarter and I was like awesome so that that was kind of it I mean I still kind of was hesitant I think just because of the saturation but then I was like you know I need to think like those guys did in the 90s at image like superheroes were saturated then too at DC and Marvel and they knew they had something um special and I'm not you know Todd McFarlane or anything but I was like you know, like if you feel like you have something special, you should just go forward with it and, and see what happens, and don't let don't let fear hold you back. Right. that's how I that's feel about zombies. Answer, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> like as a kid, I've always I've just loved zombies since I was like eight. You know what I mean? It's just been like something I've always wanted to do, but it's just like you know, there's there's so many zombie projects out there and comics and just everything, and you know, it's just it's one of those things. Unless I have a very special idea for it, I'm just I don't know if I could even attempt, you know? I did the same thing with zombies.
0: I I had a story and I was like, I want to do a zombie story. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do an alien twist and I'm going to have alien zombies and I'm going to have something a little different. I'm still, it's still going to be a zombie story, but I'm just going to turn it around and make it more of a sci-fi horror series and that's what I did. And it came out from Band of Bards last year, so I'm I'm happy I did it. It was it was cool, a lot cool. of fun. Yeah. So do you guys know
2: the story about the beginning of Walking Dead?
0: No.
1: No. <laughs> so the, ori-
2: the initially they he wanted just to do the Walking Dead, um, pitched it to I think Jim Valentino an Image, and he said that's not enough. I don't want to just have zombies. There's got to be a twist. And he said, okay, well it's a sci-fi zombie story. They're going to be the twist in issue five is it's going to be aliens causing all this. And then it got to be issue five and issue six. And he's like, uh, and it was doing well at that point. So he was off the hot seat. But he said, like, <laughs> hey, when did the aliens show up? He's like, yeah, I, I was never going to do aliens. I just didn't. I just wanted to do a zombie story. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. But yeah, I would say do it. Like, find that twist and put it out there, you know. I Yeah, I've kind of learned now. It's like we might as well you know, not regret uh, those things and, you know, not, not let fear hold us back.
1: Right. Right. I still haven't found the story yet, but someday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Right on. See Joey Galvez in the chat. Hey, every, Hey Joey. Uh, says hi to everybody. But yeah, I think to what you said, I, I, I found that with Scarlet Twilight, even then I was, it's a very much a super twi- uh, story. It's got a twist on it, but I was reading like a lot of people giving advice for Kickstarter saying, uh, you know don't just do another superhero book but I'm like I think that's what's cool about it most of these have a unique twist on them and even when they don't I, I like I said earlier it just it takes me back to where there were like 20 new superhero universes there was always something new to try and generally I'd like some character in all of them um, I really miss all this like the ultraverse and stuff like that even though it's not super well regarded now um, I just have such fond memories of that and, if, and in fact actually if you're really looking to laugh at something from the 90s there was a TV show they made of, Nightman, who was one of the silliest of those, um, that I think is on Tubi. That is some vintage 90s uh, superhero garbage, but I think oh, well worth yeah. <laughs> uh To change gears a little bit, um, Endless Hunt's a little bit more of a different genre. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. I think we talked about Granite a lot earlier and uh, wanted to see more about this and, uh, and hear a little bit more uh, kind of this is a straight-up fantasy story in a lot of ways, but Obviously, uh, it does seem to have a twist on it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I this was kind of a weird one that just kind of came about. I was between projects, and I was like, I just kind of had an idea of kind of like a, a psychological fantasy story where nothing is is quite what it seems. You're reading it, and you're like, oh, this seems like a pretty standard, like, fair king is looking for his lost love, but then things just don't add up as he continues on through his journey. Um, and, uh, and things just start to kind of go awry. Um, and and he just starts sort of having visions and uh, lacks an understanding of really what reality is. Um, and it takes place in a bunch of different settings. And I was really happy that um, uh, I included some bog men and some giant sand crabs uh, that Rio just really knocked out of the park.
2: <laughs> I didn't see those before. I like those.
0: Yeah, but, yeah she she's great yeah rio is just yeah an, an incredible did the
2: eyes really good that's we used to go hunt crabs on uh, on vacation when we go to the beach and just shine the light in their eyes and then you could like freeze them sort of pick them up from behind um but those eyes god they look just like i remember very uh yeah yeah I hate having to draw stuff like that like animals it's such a, i mean it's fun it's a challenge but i'm terrible at it so i'm always uh i always admire when i see another artist uh take a challenge and do a really good job. Cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this, this was an interesting way. It kind of un, unfolded with a it. I I knew, I knew how I wanted it to end and I had this vision of how the story should end and how it should reveal itself. And then I just kind of built around that. And I don't know if you guys ever do that with your writing. I feel like there's so many different types of ways to create where you could uh, like just do free form, just kind of do it more organically. Like when you're scripting, it's a little, it's a little bit tougher I feel like to do in, in comic book format, but I've been seeing even people like Rom V talk about free form writing his comic scripts lately. And I was like, Oh my God, like how do you do that when you have 22 pages or, mm-hmm. or whatever? But um, this one just started at the end and then I was like, okay, how do I get there? And I just started kind of
2: building around that. Yeah. Cool. So I pretty much get like scenes in my head before anything. Um, and they don't always work together, but I kind of find sure. if I just live with it for a while, my brain will start to lace those together um, and, and figure out some way to make it work, have the momentum be right. Um, and generally just to like, my biggest problem is like, there's some big plot hole I have to either explain away, which kind of sucks, or think sure. of a cool way to do it, which is, of course, what you want to do. But uh, yeah, when I finished one of my uh, my Scarlet Twilight miniseries, I thought I have nothing else to say about this character. I don't know where the story would go and then i just kind of lived with it for a while and i thought oh wait i could do this and it all kind of kind of came together so yeah that's my method it's probably not i'm not a I, I don't think of myself as a writer necessarily um or at least uh not by nature uh, but yeah that's that's probably not the best way but i i kind of just let it ferment a while and it kind of gets there i've done that
0: too though where i saw a scene we talked about the the zombie story that I did, it literally started with me envisioning this, um, female humanoid alien with her artificial intelligence companion, like walking alone (laughs) on this like desolate planet after their ship had crashed. I was like, there's a story here. Like there's something kind of cool here. And my writing partner at the time and I were thinking about it. And then of course it turned into a zombie story, but I didn't think that right away, (laughs) but I just really wanted to throw some zombies in there and then had kind of a zombie story in mind and kind of merge the two, um, in, in that way. So I don't know, John or Michelle, if you guys do any thing different when you create, I feel like there's no rule of thumb, like you can kind of do whatever the hell you want, but.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, sometimes I have the endings, like they're right there, you know, like I yeah. know exactly where, where it's going, but you know, oftentimes, uh, um, Yeah, I think most of the time, actually, now that I think about it, I know where the story is going. It's just, yeah, the journey getting there and making sure that there's nothing too convoluted going on or whatever, the plot holes and all that stuff. But um, I feel like I always know where I'm going or just have a very decent idea of it.
0: Do you find scenes change a little bit sometimes? Like, where you're like, oh, this is a better idea. Like, I'm still doing it. I'm still moving forward, but I actually, like, this more than that or do you stick pretty pretty tight to like your outline that you
1: start initially never yeah they, they go it goes all over the place and keep yeah. on changing there, there's <laughs> outlines you know yeah i'll hit a lot of the beats but there's always changes in between and like um yeah like the, the story i'm running right now it's uh it's got the same idea and the same flow that i was thinking but um it's ended up a lot of different places that i did not expect so Um, yeah
2: it evolved that's that's the
1: fun of writing though i mean you know sticking too close is kind of you want it to freeform a little bit because you know i I feel like it's you know definitely been said before but your characters in the story just kind of takes over at some point um and you just get into that mental flow with it and it just it goes places that you wouldn't have expected but that's the good thing because if you're not expecting it hopefully when people are reading it you know they're getting there that's the same things happening for them where they're just like i don't know where this is going this is Great. You know, this is awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I was reading um, uh, something from Garth Ennis and uh, he was talking about turning in plot outlines to publishers. And he's like, I fucking hate turning in plot outlines because it's never the same when I'm scripting it. He's like, mm-hmm. it, it, I always start and then I get a way better idea, I feel like, later on. So he's like, I feel like it's a waste of time for me to turn this in because it's completely <laughs> different. Um, He was talking about, I think he was talking about Batman Reptilian and how he was like, the story was completely different from where he started to what we read as as fans.
1: Right. I wonder if that, does that happen with art? Because I'm not an artist. I'm a stick figure kind of guy. So I have no idea. My stick figures always look like stick figures. But like Michelle, do you ever like, you know, when you're writing or drawing a page, does it ever like you have a vision in your head? Does it ever like just kind of just turn into something else completely or? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'll I'll think I know what I want, but once it starts going down, it's sometimes the flow of the page is just off or mm-hmm. you turn a character one way or you know you just find a better way to make the page flow better. So yeah, being flexible I think is important creatively.
2: Yeah, I find sometimes I start drawing a, a panel and I like I had my sketch, I had like the way it was going to be laid out. And even if I just can't, if I don't get that drawing right the first time, like the, the face looks weird, even if I start over from that angle, it's just going to keep looking weird. I'm like, OK, this is going to have to be a different shot because that face is always going to look screwed up because I'm going to keep doing it the same way. And it just needs to be something different or I'm going to redo this badly 12 times. Um is, I know well. exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's like it—it it just needs to be different now. I can't explain it. <laughs> um, Joey's in the chat and asks, "How do you stop yourself from changing the story too many times than letting it play out?" Let's um, so throw that out to you guys. What do you do? You, do you make a I mean, we've talked about making some changes, but is there ever a point where you, you make yourself just like, "All right, stop. I've got to go with this plot. Um, I'm just gonna have to make this work," or do you? Is it always flexible and and, and that sort of thing?
1: Um, I don't know, like, I guess, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not strict. Uh, like when I go back and read it, I want to make sure that, you know, that the pacing and everything's very tight, but like my outlines are very, um, very basic, uh, like I, I don't get real, real deep into them. And I just, I, I guess I do kind of let the story just kind of flow and go places where I want, like, um, with home free, it was actually originally three issues. Um, but we expanded it to five issues cause I had, um, somebody look at it and, uh, they, they kind of felt like there was more there and I just didn't expand enough on it. So it was, it was, that was hard because I had to like fit in, like, it wasn't like extra stuff. It felt natural afterwards, you know, it just felt really right what happened. Um, but I had to like really kind of change the, like change the structure of the story a little bit to like fit this other stuff in and move a lot of things around. That, that was like the first time I've ever done that. And it was, really um, a little difficult, but it was also very fun because it's, it's a puzzle, you know, and it's like just putting that puzzle together is what the, I think is most fun about writing, I guess, you know? Yeah.
2: yeah, I've referred to my stories as puzzles a lot of times, especially mm-hmm. in like the, con- the concept stage where I'm like, all right, this is going to be Golden Age comics meets universal horror movies meets cyberpunk. And I kind of start to think about, OK, what's really cool about each of those things? What do people really like? kind of get that in my head or like, all right, I want to have these old buildings and really atmospheric sets. I need to have like a really cool golden age, you know, costume design, stuff like that. Um, and that almost drives a lot of my, my plot decisions too. Cause I'd be like, all right, how much, and I almost, I'll take stuff into Excel even and just say, all right, I've got 22 cells here for each page. Um, how much of this, I, I know what proportion I want of each thing in, e- in each issue. And, uh, and I kind of just, I almost look at it like a recipe. I've got to have this much of this, this much of that. It can be over here. It can be over there. But, um, I think, you know, the, the story I'm kind of selling, that's what I think people want to see from it and, uh, and really just try and use the best elements of, uh, of, of kind of the, the toys I'm playing with. But, um, I'm sorry, CJ, before I run out of time, um, endless hunt, um, really love the colors in this. Um, and I love the, the, uh, like the fact that he's going from kingdom to kingdom has like a little bit of an adventure Conan vibe, obviously. And I, I think you're maybe playing with, is it reality? Is it not? So he's I, it probably, it seems like it's a little bit dreamlike in terms of mm-hmm. how he's getting from place to place here. Um, but uh, I really like that. I like that it's not as straightforward. I feel like a lot of fantasy um, has that sort of D and D feel where it's, everything is very um, as creative as things can be with, you know, the, the elements and the kingdoms and the works and this and that, um, the, the storytelling is actually generally really straightforward. Um, so it's nice to see, you know, kind of more impressionistic narrative, uh, within those worlds.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, really excited about it and really, uh, happy that I got some great covers from like, from Liana and, uh, uh, and Luana Vecchio. So, um, just really, really awesome people that, uh, have some really good books in the direct market. I don't know how Leanna Kangas does all the work that they do. It's pretty yeah. crazy, like just churning out a, yeah. a crazy amount of content. Always has an interior project. Always has a ton of covers.
2: Mm-hmm. How did you come to? Con- I mean, you got some pretty big names doing covers here. How did you? How did you get in contact with them and uh, and get them to to work on these? I am never
0: opposed to emailing or DMing somebody. I'm like the worst they can say is I'm busy or no, um, or they just don't like the idea. Like I've yeah. I haven't had that happen. I think more than once where somebody's like ah, I'm not really into to this type of story or whatever. But um, it's really just kind of a scheduling thing. Then if you can make it work, so I luckily got um, in front of Leanna and uh, and Luana really early um Mm -hmm. and said i don't need it until july um and i think i outreached to them probably four months before that and and it all worked out so i always anytime you you can think of an artist that you probably want to cover i would say just try to make sure it's not like a rush or anything like try to give them time because they're not like can't turn out something like this just like overnight it takes takes some time but um yeah i'm never opposed to outreaching to somebody if uh to see if i can partner with them like i've got a list of like you know 100 artists that i want to try to work with
2: <laughs> same same i uh i didn't really get a chance to do it but i wanted to do variant covers and commission some of them for uh for scroll of twilight at least i had a list of all, all tons of pros i was hoping to reach out to and then finally decided that eh, i don't think i have the budget for uh for commissioning anything but yeah i mean that's a great i think you said it perfectly it's it's never if you're polite if you're considerate of people's time um, I don't think it, you know, hurts to reach out and and ask people, no matter who they are. So,
0: yeah, and I'm not a name at all. I don't think any. I've had a couple things in the direct market, and neither one of them were like, "Who are you?" You know, and they've done big <laughs> books. They're like, I think Bolero and Lovesick are two of the best image comics that have come out in the past five years, mm-hmm. and Luana worked on both of them. Um, so she could have easily said no, um, but she she wanted to do it
2: yeah yeah and I think that's I mean people are generally especially in comics are generally I mean I, I think I saw another creator talking a while ago about some stuff on Twitter and he said, like you know we all have a ton in common just by nature of being in in this business more or less into this hobby and doing these things and um yeah it's it's important obviously be polite um you know have some some kind of business etiquette about it but um, yeah, people generally want to help each other out, which is uh, something I found and really, really liked about doing this. I, I remember when I was just banging my head against the wall, putting together pitches, sending them to publishers, not hearing back or getting rejections. Um, and the fact that we have this chance to crowdfund things, reach out to fans, reach out to other creators um, and the community that's kind of cropped up around it has been uh, really awesome. Um, I feel so lucky to be doing books uh, at this time. Yeah, yeah
1: real. It, is great. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, John. Oh, you're right. I just—I was just agreeing.
0: <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, never been a better time to be a fan. There's like so much content
2: out there. Yeah, I mean, you can really find a book that's almost like—I'm thinking—genre, you know, narrative bending uh, fantasy. Well, there you go. It's—it's it's, there really is something for everybody, and it, it's cool to see. Um, and I love that you know, obviously, in crowdfunding, you can—you uh, know, test your idea out. You don't have to do an entire comic invest whether that's time or, you know, if you're doing yourself, it's your time. If you're commissioning it, it's your money. Um, You can do five pages, see what people think. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and that's another, that's a huge barrier to entry um, that you can, you know, work with pretty and pretty uh, practically, I think as a creator. So awesome to see, well, we're coming up in an hour. Um, I'm going to do a quick recap of everybody's um, everybody's campaign. uh, And I'll let you guys kind of give me the, the quick elevator pitch. Um, CJ we'll start with you Um, give us the quick pitch just to wrap up here I'm going to throw the link in the comments one more time for anybody that's watching now or later you have a few more days to check this out Um, and CJ
0: yeah appreciate it so just 71 hours left on uh, the epic fantasy uh, 3 in 1 Kickstarter 2 superhero books uh, 1 fantasy comic from Devin Arscott's uh, epic fantasy line we are very close uh, 399 bucks away thought we were not going to get anywhere near there but um we've really had a big rally the last couple of days so really appreciate the community uh getting behind the comics and uh, a lot of a lot of great content in there so hopefully more people will pick it up
1: but i'm, I'm feeling really optimistic about it
2: awesome awesome uh michelle and Hold john on all
1: the uh, the skull imagery in your comic alone i love skulls so <laughs> <laughs> awesome um, so home-
2: michelle and john give us the 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 quick recap on home free
1: yeah, uh, Home Free. Uh, if you like crime comics, uh, grindhouse action, intense drama, all that. Uh, very personal stories, um, just taking place in explosive worlds. Uh, here comes my cat. Watch out. Um, that's it's. You're gonna dig this comic. It's um. It's it's gets pretty intense at times. Uh, uh, if it's just suspenseful um you, it's like a roach sh- a noir road trip through the country we go from uh oregon all the way down to san diego um all the different comics kind of have their own feel to them like it's very the first one starts off with a very personal crime story kind of deal then we go into like um of an exploitation car chase thing then we jump over into the desert for like more of a uh, noir western kind of deal and now we're down in san diego where just the world is exploding and sarah has to figure out yet another problem to get through so um just that sounds like your thing Uh, check us out we're live for five more days i think and um we're funded but there's lots of uh cool stuff that we're gonna add to the campaign and um lots of cool stuff you can get already so stop on by
2: Perfect. Sounds great. So, uh, I'm going to say one more time. Uh, we have that deal with geek collective where if you're getting your Gemini mailers ordered, uh, use that code geek collective 10, and you can get 10% off. Um, I wish I knew about that when I was buying my Gemini mailers last time, because it would have helped. Um, my comic August purgatory underground is live on Zoop now. And, uh, you can check that out, uh, for seven more days. We, uh, kind of extended the campaign a little bit and, uh, I have a free preview and a link to the campaign at the link tree um, that I just threw in the chat. But um, definitely if you're watching this now, if you're going to watch this the next few days uh, or you're listening to the audio version, jump over to Kickstarter, look for home free, look for three one shot comics, Um, have a couple days left. These are great books, really awesome looking stuff. Uh, And guys, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It's great having you here. All right. That does it for us this week. Um, we're going to move the show to Saturdays next week. Uh, and we have some great creators lined up. So hopefully we'll see everybody that's watching again and uh, hope everybody has a great week. Thanks again, guys.
0: Thank you. Thanks.